You're listening to Privacy and Data Security Chat with Shook Hardy and Bacon, recognized by Law360 as Practice Group of the Year in Privacy and Cybersecurity. Now, here's your host, Al Cycli. Hello, and welcome to Shook's ongoing podcast series exploring legal and business issues impacting national and global companies. I'm Al Cycli. And I chair Shook's privacy and data security practice. Uh, today, we're going to talk about privacy and cybersecurity trends to watch in 2022. I'm joined today by my colleague's partner, Coleman McCarthy, who is a partner in our Kansas City office and focuses his practice entirely on uh, privacy and cybersecurity issues. He is the go to person for helping. Uh, companies respond to cybersecurity incidents and help them with incident response. Uh, so Coleman's on today. Coleman, you want to say hi? Hey to everybody out there on the intertubes. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> All right. That's a radio voice you got there, man. That's really good. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome <laughs> to our podcast. Um, also joining us is Camila Tabon. Camila is a partner in our Denver office. And Camila's practice focuses on a number of areas of data privacy law, uh, but she is certainly known to be the go-to person in our firm for all things international privacy. Um, Camila has performed a number of secondments with larger clients of the firm that have given her some wonderful um, practical insight into how do you apply many of these privacy laws. So uh, Camila, welcome. You want to say hi? (laughs) Hi, everyone. Thanks. Happy to be here. All right. Great. So let's get started and we'll start uh, with Coleman. Let's uh, Coleman. What, what do you think about the legislative trends, U.S. legislative trends to watch in 2022? What are you looking at? I know that you've given some of it away on this amazing uh, email that you send out every every couple of weeks to in-house lawyers. Uh, but and and by the way, anyone who's listening to this who's interested, please contact Coleman if you want a really entertaining and informative uh, underground update on all things privacy. Yeah, well, uh, you know, hopefully, just as entertaining and informative uh, on both sides. I I like to prefer to provide minimal substantive content because, you know, we're all tired of reading about legal stuff, but there is some, some substantive stuff in there. And ostensibly it is dedicated toward state privacy legislation, uh, tracking bills that get introduced all over the country. And Al, I, I, I have identified a few trends. Uh, have you now? Please. I have. <laughs> I have. Spontaneously, have no please share with us what those trends yes, are. Yes, just off the top of my head here. No, the, the first one and one that I'm sure everybody is paying attention to right now is the introduction of comprehensive privacy bills. You know, along the lines of CCPA, CPRA, uh, the new Virginia and Colorado laws, um, you know, this is a, a trend that we've seen since CCPA came into existence, um, you know, at, at first CCPA was was basically its own kind of beast because of the ballot initiative process that, that gave birth to it. And until Virginia and Colorado came along last year and showed us that these laws could be passed through regular order, we were, you know, I was skeptical that, that we'd see any more. But now that we've seen a couple, I expect, you know, at least one to two to pass this year. And we've already seen uh, laws that have been pre-filed or introduced in this, you know, early here in the legislative session. Plus, we we see uh, bills that have carried over from last year's session in, in states that have carryover. So 
uh, states that, that already have bills pending, New York, Washington, Alaska, Indiana, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, and of course, Florida. Uh, and I know, Al, you are on top of all that Florida legislative activity, and <clears throat> I'll be sure to throw it back to you on that. But I do want to get to the other trends uh, because I, I I love hearing my my own voice, and I, I want to continue talking. So um, the next, can I, the next, can I before yeah, you go, go to your next, yeah, before you go to the next one, something that I find interesting too, worth mentioning, because of this whole pivot, like to comprehensive privacy legislation, as opposed to like um, industry specific or activity specific legislation, we're used to here in the U.S is um, the notice of uh, the advanced notice of proposed rulemaking by the FTC signaling that they want to put some sort of safeguards and guardrails in place for using personal information. While it's not legislation, it is something that's significant at the federal level in the absence of a federal privacy law, which I think will be really hard to come by. Um, it seems like the FTC is really focused on these issues as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it looks a lot like the New York Department's financial services, cybersecurity requirements, the NAIC's cybersecurity uh, model uh, model law. And, and it looks like that, you know, we're seeing regulators kind of come around to some 10 to 15 things that every company needs to be doing on the cybersecurity side. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. And Camille, it's a great point about the FTC becoming more active in the space. Given that it, it's highly unlikely that we'll see a, a federal, a comprehensive federal privacy law, I think anytime soon, just because of current political realities. Um, but you know, if if there's enough activity in other sectors, such as you know state laws, uh, you know federal regulators, state regulators, you know maybe it, it, it reaches a critical mass at which point Congress might act. So, um, but it's it's a great point that. You, we're seeing stepped up activity in, in all sectors, in all areas, right, um, on this. Um, the, going back to the trends, um, the, the second trend that I've kind of got my eye out on is uh, state TCPA laws. And I know, you know, whether TCPA is, is really considered privacy legislation or not, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to keep an eye on it because it's at least privacy adjacent, right? And with last year's Supreme Court decision in the Facebook versus Do Good case, which, by the way, if there's ever been a case name that uh, is ripe for some puns and jokes, I, I you know I, I can't see how that case hasn't generated many uh, so far. I mean, I'm, um, I'm 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 trying to think of some myself, but I'm 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 not quite that witty. So, but anyway. That case really narrowed the federal TCPA, but states have started stepping up into the gap. Uh, Florida last year amended its telemarketing law to kind of take over uh, what was given up by the, the Facebook case. And we also have seen a, a bill introduced in Washington already um, that would also kind of cover that kind of activity that, you know, no longer is covered by the federal TCPA. So that's another uh, another trend I'm watching. And then finally, Ransomware payment bills, uh, you know, the the scourge of ransomware has, has grown to such an extent that you're seeing states introduce laws that either require reporting if you make a ransomware payment or prohibit it altogether. Uh, you know, we've seen two or three state laws or state bills introduced. They haven't gone anywhere yet, but, you know, considering that ransomware is going to continue to be a huge issue, um, you know, I, I can see those bills make, making a comeback. So there's your answer, Al. 
Brilliant and concise as always. <laughs> um, Camila, maybe tell us a little bit about other areas around the world and regions that you're watching in 2022. Yeah, so I think the EU for sure uh, is a region to watch. Um, I mean, they're essentially setting the baseline, right? Internationally, a lot of the new laws that you're seeing in countries like Brazil and others are patterned on the GDPR so for sure, EU, a place to watch. I think there's two specific areas in the EU. Uh, one, the first is enforcement. So the DPAs in Europe continue to be really active in their enforcement activities and some of the trends that we're seeing. They're enforcing against companies who, for example, aren't providing adequate notice. So issues around transparency, what they're doing with personal information, how they're using it, who they're sharing it with. Um, also, legal basis for processing issues surrounding consent. Um, when you're processing personal data about individuals in the EU, you have to have a legal basis for processing. It doesn't necessarily have to be consent. It could be something like legitimate interest. It could be something like necessity for purposes of a contract. But you have to have that documented. And if in particular you're relying on consent, you have to have the consent documented and you have to have the ability for the individual to withdraw it. So we've seen some enforcement around that. Cookies, which aren't specifically a GDPR regulated issue, the consent piece is, but really cookies are regulated by the e-privacy directive, which is implemented in each member state into their national law. And so you can end up with um, sort of nuanced requirements depending on which country you're in. There's been a lot of activity, particularly by the CNIL, the um, Data Protection Authority in France on cookies and consent and adequate use of cookies and obtaining consent for that. And then lastly, also data transfers, huge issue. Um, the Court of Justice of, Euro of the European Union's decision in Schrems II sort of upended transfers again. Um, Privacy Shield is gone. Companies are looking to standard contractual clauses New clauses came out this summer, um, starting September 27th. Companies that are entering into new transfer agreements have to use these new clauses. Um, and so it's essentially a game changer for the contracting and data transfer piece. So definitely those are areas to watch. On the legislation side, also, this is not specifically privacy, but privacy adjacent, and we've, as we've been talking about, for example, with the TCPA. The um, Digital Markets Act and the Digital Services Act, which are proposed regulations, um, they're going to regulate gatekeepers. So think about search engines, social media companies, cloud computing providers. Um, and I think they're going to be really significant in how they're going to re regulate these companies, what these companies are able to do with personal information, um, limiting their ability to aggregate and use personal information collected in different contexts limiting their ability to offer multiple services um, to individuals based on, you know, data collected in one and using that data for a different service. Um, so really, those are still a ways away because um, the Digital Markets Act, at least, is just entering trilogue negotiations, which can take over a year. But that's definitely something to watch. And if we think about an analog, all that discussion about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act here in the U.S., I think that's similar to the Digital Services Act, what's going on there. And so I think these are these are issues, that, at least for companies, you know, that are operating in the tech space and handling large amounts of, of customer information. And then another piece of legislation that's privacy adjacent is the Draft Act on Artificial Intelligence. And that's trying to put guardrails around AI systems, identifying you know, requirements for high-risk systems, transparency. 
We've seen a little bit of movement on that front in the U.S., I would say mostly in the states and not so much at the federal level, but still the use of algorithms. Do individuals know how their information is being used? The decisions that are being made about them and the impact of those decisions, those are all things that um, I think legislatures across the pond and here are struggling with. And this draft act on artificial intelligence or draft regulation on artificial intelligence in the EU, I think is a, is a good starting point. And then I'll just mention two other jurisdictions. Also, China passed their personal information protection law in November. Um, I mean, it became effective in November, and that imposes significant requirements on companies operating in China. Canada has also um, seen a lot of activity. Quebec just updated their law. Um, and so there's new requirements that are going to take over, um, you know, in the staggered way in the next two or three years. But definitely it's uh, we're seeing movement in privacy legislation and privacy requirements and enforcement outside of the U.S. Um, and so if companies are thinking about operating in a new area or undertaking a new project, it's definitely worth taking a look at the specific requirements because they're constantly changing. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it, it seems like we have a theme on this podcast, and it, it's, it's the, the fact of increasing legislation and legislative efforts that we're seeing. And I know, you know, last year here in the U.S., um, one of the biggest uh, stories that we had was what was going on in Florida and how close they came to passing a comprehensive privacy law. And we know, we all know, hopefully everybody listening here knows that Al was right in the middle of all that and has already... Uh, started blanketing the airwaves with coverage of of what's going on currently with with uh, Florida introducing new versions of that legislation. So, Al, tell us what's going on in Florida. That was such a smooth transition. That was great. Good job. Uh, yeah. So, Florida is is really sort of a nice microcosm of I think the generally the South in terms of what we might expect to see. And right now, is it you know? To, I guess to sort of recap where things were last year, it ended with a House bill HB nine six nine that would have had the most comprehensive privacy law in the United States. It would have created a a, a private right of action that would have applied uh, to data breaches of not only sensitive information like the CCPA, but any kinds of personal information defined very broadly. Um, it and, and what we've we've seen now uh, this year that we've got two bills in the House we've got HB nine and the Senate bill we've got eighteen sixty four under the House bill that still includes a private right of action but it's been dialed back significantly it's no longer a private right of action for data breaches but there is a private right of action for a failure of a company to comply with. Um, a request to delete or a uh, request to correct or request for information about what the company's collecting about the, the, the consumer. In that instance, the consumer can seek $100 to $750 you know, per individual uh, and can obtain attorney's fees. And only the plaintiffs can obtain attorney's fees if he or she prevails. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. One of the things that I'll be pushing for personally and working with certain contacts on the legislative side will be um, obviously to eliminate the private right of action altogether. Uh, but assuming because that's going to get abused, right? It's going to get abused by the professional plaintiffs that we deal with all the time in privacy legislation, individuals who will start flooding different companies saying, delete my stuff, correct my, my information. 
uh, and you only got 10 days to do it under certain provisions of the Florida law. So if you don't do it, I'm going to hit you with a lawsuit right away. And so it, it's silly, right? And and you could end up as a company paying $100 to that person and then an additional, I don't know, $30,000, $50,000 to the person's lawyer uh, who represented them as they'd be entitled to attorney's fees as well. So, it, I, you know, that needs to be removed. It, assuming it doesn't get removed, I think that, you know, one of the things that will help it will be adding some right to cure, right? So, okay, sorry, we messed up. We didn't delete your stuff within the 10 days. You've now given us notice. We'll have 30 days and we will do it within that 30 days. And if we don't, then you have your right to sue. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Um, but that's an important point on the House side. And then on the Senate side, we have no private right of action there. It's going to be enforced only by the AG's office. And the law looks very much like most privacy laws that are out there now in the United States, with Virginia, Colorado. Uh, it's, it's very much like that model. Uh, you know, there is something interesting in that it would create a dedicated privacy unit within the Florida Attorney General's office who would enforce the privacy law. And it might then, you know, I don't think that's on many people's radar right now as a potential concern, um, given, you know, who is sort of occupying the Florida Attorney General's seat right now. But of course, that always changes depending on elections. And that is a tool that could be used pretty aggressively against businesses here in Florida moving forward if that were to remain as part of the law. And then, of course, you just have the general concern of the cost of compliance with these laws. Um, you know, there are still a number of companies, a significant number of companies here in Florida that don't do business in California or one of these other states. And for them, this is going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into compliance with these laws. So, uh, I'll be making all of these arguments as I am now to to the the legislature at some point and in my blog and 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 singing it to the many people who will never listen but you, you try um, and we'll see how it how it shapes up in this legislative term. The, we have until I think the legislative term ends first week of I want to say April. Uh, so if it doesn't happen between now and then, uh, then then that's it for this year. But uh, last year came really down to the wire. And I think where this will end up this year is we will see at least one, if not both houses pass, you know, the House and the Senate. And then it comes down to sort of, it, you know, the, the horse trading, right? Because the House will probably pass one with a private right of action in some form and the Senate will not. And so then the question becomes, okay, well, which one becomes law? And here in Florida and probably many state legislatures, the answer to that depends on which bill does which would like the Speaker of the House versus the president, the president of the Senate want more, right? Maybe they want a gambling bill and they'll, yeah, I'll take the gambling bill and you can have your privacy law. That's where laws ultimately come out here in the Florida legislative session. So it'll be interesting to watch and see, watch how things unfold here. Um, so I guess just kind of ending it, uh, you know, last sort of question for the group, um, any sort of practical advice for, for our clients or for anybody listening who may be corporate counsel at a company uh, to help them mitigate some of these risks that we've been talking about for 2022? Camila, you want to take the first stab? Sure. I mean, I think the trend is um, the earlier you think about privacy and your use of personal information, the better. Uh, you know, we've talked about potential more states coming online with comprehensive privacy laws, but not waiting till that moment. Um, I think it's a matter of uh, when, not if, 
Um, so if you think about these things early on, you start building, you know, internal awareness about privacy, um, good security posture, uh, policies in place about handling personal information, risk assessment methodologies, anytime you're going to use sensitive data, for example, or if you're going to undertake a new project, um, a new use of personal information, what are the risks to individuals? How can those be mitigated? The earlier you think about those things, I think the better. And a lot of things, um, a lot of times we've been working with organizations who want to build scalable privacy programs. So they don't want to be reactive and just say, okay, we're going to build this program to comply with California, Virginia, Colorado, but they want to build something that's more principles-based. So we've had a lot of success with the NIST privacy framework and helping companies do gap assessments. How can they turn their current procedures into a principles-based program that's more easily scalable as they expand into new jurisdictions or new uses of data? Um, and so just thinking holistically about how information is used, um, where it's stored, how it's secured, who it's shared with, um, I think is of a lot of value and something that, that should have uh, resources devoted to it. Coleman, what are your thoughts? I think I'm going to kind of break with the themes we've had throughout the podcast and, and dive a little bit more into cybersecurity. Um, my practical advice to, to entities and people out there is to take ransomware very seriously. Uh, be proactive about the measures that you can put in place uh, to avoid ransomware attacks rather than crossing your fingers that it's not going to happen to you. And you know, cyber insurance is, is one of those good things to have. Uh, don't rely on that as your ransomware protection, right? Take the steps. Uh, make sure that you have secure backups. You know, a lot of times ransomware crews are going after the backups so you can't restore. Uh, make sure your backups are, you know, are secure. Um, put in place, you know, network monitoring solutions, EDR, XDR, NDR. You know, there are various forms out there. They're all very helpful. Um, you know, multi-factor authentication. Uh, get some get some training. Uh, business email compromise is also going to be huge again in 2022, and that comes a lot down to to human training. So, be proactive uh, to protect yourself. Don't don't think that you're in a good spot. Always continue to strive to be better with your cybersecurity. Yeah, that's that's a great, they're all great points. And I think you know, just kind of adding real quickly on all of these, maybe data minimization too. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have we seen clients incur, you know, data breaches that would not have been breaches um, because they never really needed the information that was impacted, the personal information that was impacted. It's just sitting out there and they don't think that either A, they never needed to collect it in the first place or B, they should have gotten rid of it a while ago. And that comes down to sort of the more global thought of thinking about your data and what you have and what you're doing with it and understanding that to Camila's point so that you know, you know, what the laws are that that apply to you as well. So no, I agree with all of that. Okay. So last question, as we, as we take this home, this is totally unscripted because none of this was scripted anyway, but I'm just saying this was also, this is also <laughs> an unscripted question. <laughs> and nobody knows what you're going to say. And I want to see what you guys say. What is your favorite podcast that you are listening to now or recently? Oh my gosh. Sway. Kara Swisher of the New York Times, she has this amazing podcast called Sway. She interviews not just um, tech people, but players, big players in the tech industry and um, legislators. And it's a fantastic podcast. And it's usually 30 minutes max. So it's easily, you know, you can listen to it on a run. You can listen to it while you're commuting. 
but I highly recommend Sway from the New York Times. All right. Coleman, have you, you got one you're listening to? Yeah. I, I like to listen to Risky Biz. I don't know if you've heard about that one, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a podcast by Patrick Gray, who's an Aussie, and his co-host is Adam Boilo, who's a, who's a Kiwi. And they're, you know, they're, you know, old time hackers from like the nineties. So it, it mixes, um, you know, current cybersecurity news with a lot of humor. Um, so it, it's, it's great fun to listen to, but also stay up, up to date on all the, you know, current stuff, big stuff that's happening and stuff that you haven't even heard of. So I highly recommend it. So mine is Smartless. Have you guys heard of this one? Okay. So Smartless is hosted by Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. And they bring in these most amazing guests, like people, A-list stars and and people in the political area. And it, it's, it is the so entertaining. Highly recommend it. Really good. I mean, it's not a whole lot to do with privacy and data security, but it's really funny. You want like to fill half an hour of your day or an hour. These guys are just hilarious. So um, anyway, those are some three great recommendations. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time and then for all of the people who are listening both of you, thank you for listening and for taking the time to, for, to be to, to listen to our thoughts today um, and uh, hopefully look forward to doing another one of these at some point soon. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. If you'd like more information on this topic, go to the Shook website, shb.com. And a reminder that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based on advertising. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to be any kind of legal advice. Thank you.